Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. Exciting to be with you today. Uh, We are here with a good friend of mine, Brother Rick Mortensen. Um, His assignment is at a place that I just hold near and dear to my heart. He's he's the principal at Mountain View High School, and uh, that was where I first started in Seminary and Institute, was over there with uh, good brother Danny Ricks, who was a colleague of ours at the time. He's now at BYU-Idaho teaching religion classes up there. But uh, Brother Mortensen, welcome. Thank you. Good to have you. Good to be here. Uh, if I remember right, last time we had you on, it was back in the Old Testament, and was it talking about Jonah? I think it was whale? Jonah, yeah, yes. that's fun. <laughs> I remember that conversation. It was one of the best. I loved it. Well, isn't it interesting, because the block for this week is is directly correlated yeah, with that block. Exactly, right? Uh, yeah, while, while we're talking, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20 to 21 is what we're going to cover this week. But before we jump in, uh, you've got a daughter on a mission. Talk about where she's at and the experience she's having. Just give us a little bit of a little bit of her. Thank you. Um, my daughter Michaela is in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania mission. Cool. She's currently in Maryland. She went from the one of the northernmost spots in her mission to the southernmost spot in her uh, mission, and uh. she's uh, Sal- Salisbury, I think you call it. Okay. And we get to um, FaceTime her or whatever they call it every Monday, and feel of her goodness as she seeks to do the Lord's will and finds it hard often. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. Isn't, it, isn't that uh, the way you want it, though, as a dad sometimes? You want, you want them to go through hard things and do hard things, but hope they can still struggle through, right? Yeah, yeah. That, it does give you a perspective of how heaven looks, I think, in some small way, mm-hmm. where you have to sit on the sidelines and teach truth and extend love and then just walk that journey with her. and. Yeah. Uh, Watch her become. That's really cool. Well, I just looked up our analytics, and we've got uh, 39 people in uh, Pennsylvania listening to the podcast every any given week. So uh, maybe uh, Sister Mortensen, if you're out there listening, uh, shout out to you. Keep, keep your head up. And it'll, it'll all work out. And keep going, girl. That's fun. <laughs> well, uh, uh, thank you, Brother Mortensen, for being with us Um you know, I, I really love my association with my colleagues, just being able to sit and chat. And it was kind of funny before we hit record here, um, Rick and I were just talking and, you know, about what's in the block. And and uh, I said, okay, about ready to go. And he's like, oh, we haven't been recording this. This has been great. <laughs> right? So uh, so it's just such a great experience that, uh, that I get to have with my colleagues all around the valley here in Boise. Um, and just maybe a quick shout out to those of you in town here. Uh, I just have had some sweet experiences uh, meeting some some students that have come to the institute for the very first time. Um, sat in a class of mine. One young man stayed after class, and he said, "Hey, I I really appreciated your lesson tonight. We talked for a while. He was dealing with some stuff and hashed through it. And I said, "Well, it's so good to get to know you a little bit, and hope, hopefully we'll see you again." He's like, "Oh, I'll come back. I know you really well. I I listen every week to the podcast, and so I feel like I know you a lot better." And so, what a tender experience for me to you know know that whatever I'm saying from week to week is <laughs> not hurting at least <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but. Uh, but just an invitation for all of you out there that, uh, you know, get down to your institute if you're 18 to 30 and, and plug in and just, uh, just, it's a great opportunity to just grow and expand your knowledge in the gospel. So with that, Brother Mortensen, get us in. We're, uh, should we start in Matthew 28? Is that where we want to go? Yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> after the, um, one of the hardest, most difficult weeks for humanity, meaning the, the crucifixion and the Gethsemane experience with the Savior Jesus Christ and those that followed Him, we now go into the most glorious week yeah. that because of what happened in Matthew 28 and in the block that we're about to look at, we can, we can rejoice in the fact that there is someone that overcame all. Yeah. 
And um, as, as I was thinking about this, I, saw, I ran across a quote from President Monson. I think it's in our Come Follow Me manual. It said, no words in Christendom mean more to me than he is risen. Wow. That's pretty cool. So it shows the power of overcoming every condition of the fall, right? He is risen. Yep. Every, every consequence of the fall of Adam has been overcome through the merits, mercy, grace, and mission of Jesus Christ. You know, that phrase is a really interesting phrase to me, too. Um, I read this weekend in some other study I was doing that Christ was baptized in the lowest body of fresh water on earth. Hmm. He literally descended below all to be baptized in that place and then to literally be risen, right? He was risen above all things, not just mortally or Im immortally, right? Mm -hmm. but, but to be risen above all things and how he handled situations and circumstances, it's, it's a big phrase. Yeah, and it kind of takes us back to the... the baptism for those that have passed on yeah. is at the lowest place and it's below the foundation of the yeah, temple that's true. often right. I mean I think that's I think that's pretty the, typical yeah yeah typical yeah. and so just huh. a, a subtle tiny reminder that he who has gone through all you cannot descend below Jesus Christ right. and that and that he as he overcame so can we through him yeah love that I love that okay well take us in Matthew 28 where do we start where do we begin well, we begin, I think, at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the Sabbath, you'll know that um, that the body of the Savior wasn't prepared. It wasn't allowed to be prepared for on the on the day that. Uh, let's see. He went in on a Friday, um, crucified, and then during the Passover Saturday, and then the and then on Sunday, which is the beginning of the week, um, he's ministered to by in chapter twenty-eight, verse one and two of of. Matthew's account, uh, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, and then others as well, yeah. as other author or gospel right. writers make account. Um, but they come to minister to him and have this exchange with an angel or two. And this is on Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday. And that's uh, remembering that uh, the Sabbath was originally Saturday. Right. When Christ instituted the sacrament, he moved it a day forward at the beginning of the week to, to Sunday. And so he wouldn't have been able to be taken care of Saturday because it was the Sabbath. So, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're pointing to. I love that. That's right. And I love the exclamation, just to echo what President Monson said. In verse 6, the angel, and Joseph makes a very good clarification. It's a um, where it does, I think it's for footnote 5a, the yeah. angels uh -huh. answered and uh, said, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Hmm. And um, I just, I just think that, we have to just, in all that we talk about with, with Jesus Christ and his birth and, and Gethsemane, in, in the right tone, we always speak reverently of those. And to just say he is risen is almost like a football cheer. Yeah. It's like we should, this should be something that we can, well, I mean, that's the invitation. Go quickly and tell his right. disciples that he's risen from the dead. And it's like, don't make this a silent thing. Sure. Let's, let's just proclaim it because yeah. he's overcome death. Well, I love that too. I love that you pointed to the cross reference that Joseph uh, Smith makes in his uh, retranslation there, or corrections. Angels answered and said, "The unto the woman, fear not, for we know mm -hmm. God didn't just send one. Uh, maybe there are thousands of them, right? Saying, yeah, oh, this is a big deal because there are others that are spoken of in between the accounts of the gospel authors." Huh. Um, that were witness to this tomb experience. In Acts chapter 10, I was just thinking about this. In the, in the chapter heading, it says, the gospel is taught by witnesses. So Mary couldn't, couldn't have taught until she was taught. And she had her own witness. She knew for herself. Isn't that the, isn't that the pattern yeah. by which we, I mean, Christ invites us to act. He teaches the principle. He's modeled it, obviously. And then says, now go forth and, and do this. And that's the way. Yeah. By this shall men know, right? By this shall not only men, but ourselves are, will know that what Christ taught was right because we're doing what he taught. And yeah. then the witness comes to our heart. And then we want to go do it for others. Um, amen. Yeah, I think about missionaries like your daughter out serving, and I'm, I'm not projecting this on her. But, but maybe sometimes missions are difficult because missionaries haven't gotten it themselves yet. They go out with a lot of knowledge or they obtain knowledge in the MTC and in their own studies to kind of answer the questions. Yeah. Um, but without that confirming witness, 
I wonder sometimes if the, the circumstances of each day on a mission are harder because you're missing the bigger picture about why you're there and what you're there to do. That's probably true for parenting too, right? When we, when we miss the big picture of what our goal and objective is as parents, uh, we, we get focused on the stupid thing my kid did and miss the opportunity as a dad I have to, to reach out with love and, yeah. and support and, and teach. And I think that there's gotta be something, there's gotta be a price that is paid to, because Jesus at the end of this in, in chapter 28, <clears throat> um, when he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, and I love this part, I am with you always. And there has to be a price to, for the Savior, I mean, you, you, he just can't say, I am with everyone. I am with those that are willing to pay the price to become a true follower, and I will be with you. That is the reward that I will give you. But he just can't, because of the, you can't dwell in unholy places, um, there's got to be a price that's willing to be paid to yeah. have that witness. Yeah, I really love that. I, I think there's truth to the idea that, you know, we're taught, read your scriptures every day, say your prayers every day, daily prayer, daily scripture study. I don't know that it's a scriptural thing. Like, if I go looking for daily scripture study, <laughs> I, I'm not going to find it there. Right. I think I think maybe we could find some some church leaders who have invited us to daily study and ponder and feast, right? But... But the idea that when I wake up in the morning, if I haven't opened the door, and Elder Scott might say, put on the armor uh, before I open the door and face the, the world. But if mm -hmm. I don't open the door to the Spirit every day um, by just doing the basic things, uh, I really then depend on my own knowledge. And without that conversion every morning, even if I'm not reading something that's applicable, um, I've opened the door to the Spirit to teach me and to guide me and direct me every day. And that's why we read every day, not because I'm going to find the answer every day for what I'm struggling with. Right well, now. I think it takes me to the sacrament prayer yeah. that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy son. So, yeah. you know, and, and perfection, we won't even go there. We, none of us are, we get that. Um, but his, his ask is that we be willing to. And yeah. then the promise from him that's echoed in different ways in the sacrament hymn, or excuse me, the sacrament prayers, um, in verse 20 is, I will always be with you. And in, in our sacrament prayers, it says that my spirit shall be with you. Yeah. And, um, and that's the same promise. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and, and that we would always have his spirit to be with us is conditioned, right? It's not that I just will. It's that I might, right? right. That, that I'm, I could. And that we've talked about this, I think, before in the podcast, that, that renewing... Uh, re-cleansing of the baptism of fire um, that happened when we were confirmed originally and received the Holy Ghost is an opportunity every week, right, that we get mm -hmm. back to, that's why we don't have to be baptized again each week, right? But um, but that we could have that guiding influence that, according to President Nelson, yeah. won't be possible to survive without, right? Well, and, and there's that talk that was recently given by President Nelson. It's, what is it, drawing on the powers of the atonement yeah. of Jesus Christ? I think it's something like that. Just recently, but, it, but he talked about four, four things that we can literally do. Because we think about the power of the atonement. Here we are at the culminating event, with the, which is the Savior's majestic resurrection. Right. And that he was able to overcome death to receive this this glorified and perfected body. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and as we think about how do we draw on that power, and you know, I likened it to maybe like, a, like an electrical cord or an outlet where you have somehow through all the wiring of the world, there's access to an infinite almost amount of power that comes out. I can power compressors, Yep. Hair dryers, right. blenders, yep. cookie makers, whatever it is. Yep. We can power anything through that, but unless I'm willing to plug into that, and President um, Nelson is being very clear on how we can draw upon Christ's power. Yeah, that just so for those out there that want to look at that, this is a, a talk from uh, 2017, April Gunner oh, Conference 2017, called Drawing on the Power, sorry, Drawing the Power of Jesus Christ into Our Lives. I, I love the analogy that you make. Um, because I think the atonement really can power whatever I need, right? Whatever help I need, even if I don't think it's like God's most important thing, mm -hmm. 
my desire to be successful on a sports team, it matters to God, yeah. right? And I can draw on the powers of the atonement for that to help me in lots of different ways throughout that. And then when I've done that, when I've drawn on that power and I've been converted, right. then it becomes my opportunity to say, hey, try this yeah. to others. There, there's an outlet. Let's plug in together. Let me show you what happens when we plug in in this sports team, yeah, right, and, and show that the power of, of the atonement really covers everything. Well, and I love that. I'm going to kind of fast forward if that's all right. Mm-hmm. We've got two more of the witnesses that speak of the Savior's, it's in Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection, and I think this is like verse 13 here, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And so you have this, and I think one of the names is Cleopas, verse 18, Mm -hmm. and then the other disciple goes unnamed. Um, And so they're having this conversation, and then 15, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holding that they could not, that they should not know him. And he said, what? what you? And they have this conversation about who Jesus of Nazareth is. Sure, and sure. they're like, haven't you heard about this? Yeah. Where have you been, man? <laughs> <laughs> and he's, yeah, I could imagine what he'd love to have said. But, um, but I love this principle. So these two uh, disciples of Jesus Christ just wondering about all that's happened with the crucifixion. And, and now they're having this conversation with the very the very Son of God, and, yeah. and how the chief priest in verse 20 delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which mm. should have redeemed Israel. Mm. And beside all, it's the third day since these things were done. And so as they're having this conversation, <laughs> um, and the Savior in his loving way, I'm sure he was able to say this the right way, um, O fools and slow of heart to believe <laughs> all that the prophets have spoken. Um, I don't know where I why it kind of took me here, but um, when we want to draw upon the power of Jesus Christ, the power of his atonement, let me be very very careful to say that, is that it has the capacity to open our eyes in ways that we're not seeing what's right in front of us. And that light has to come from God and Jesus Christ. And it can if we access it through the prayer and the things that... um, President Nelson spoke of. Yeah. Um, we've recently, and we've talked about this before, been talk, been asked to reemphasize the language of prayer, mm-hmm. not just in the verbiage that we use, but what are we doing when we, when we kneel to Father? What are we doing when we proclaim His name? What do we do when we conclude the prayer in the name of the Son? Yeah. Do we really fathom that when the for the strength of youth pamphlet kind of got adapted? <laughs> yeah. And and they're thinking, oh, everything's changing, and I. I had to go, in my mind, I didn't see much of a change. Yeah. I saw a, I saw a different, I saw a focus. Yeah. The focus became less on the do this, don't do that, but it became on more about my relationship with him. Right. And what do my actions say about how I feel about Christ? Right. And so... Um, when I had students come in and say, oh, I guess I can do this and I can do that and I can date whenever and I can date right. whatever. And, and, um, and, and my, my mind just went right back to the, to the pamphlet where it just explains that in counsel with your parents and priesthood and heaven, yeah. and you've been given the gift of the Holy Ghost, you make that decision and you stand on it. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, a super important component, especially of that policy change, right? Where it seems like, uh, it was funny an intera- a funny interaction with my daughter. Not funny, but maybe eye-opening to how the youth see that. Uh, daughter at the time was a junior in high school. and I don't know, it had been maybe a week after the change. And I said, uh, how do you feel about that change? She said, well, it kind of scares me for my kids. And I mm-hmm. said, what do you mean? She said, well, like I know what the rules were. My kids won't have them written down, and so how do I teach them what the rules are? And uh, I think that's the, the, the whole meat of it is you teach them the principles of it. Um, Elder, uh, sorry, the General Young Men's Presidency uh, did a podcast uh, right after the First Strength of Youth was changed. And uh, they met together in, in this really cool podcast interaction um, said, Brother Wilcox, Brad Wilcox, said this. He says, I love what Elder Uchtdorf said in conference when he said, this guide is not permission to do whatever you want. The guide is permission to let God prevail, 
to choose to draw closer to God. I think sometimes when missionaries were first told they didn't have to memorize lessons, <laughs> a lot of missionaries were like, yay, that means we don't have to do anything. <laughs> but in reality, he needs to know more. It was a call to do more, more preparation, more efforts to make outlines that would meet real needs, more efforts to sense the Spirit, to follow the Spirit. I think this guide is calling for young people to not do less, but to gain personal revelation, which was also stressed in conference over and over again. Right? So, so that idea that, you know, sometimes we take those policy changes to our church, woohoo! Right? I remember sitting in my living room during general conference, and I, we were like behind because I'm a, I'm a seminary teacher, so I was just writing all the quotes down. All right, we're right. like two and a half hours behind general conference. Well, my phone starts blowing up from my siblings saying, to our church, woohoo! Right? And it was like, whoa! And, I, and when we got What's to that talk, <laughs> I heard that and I thought, oh man, there's way more on me now. Right? We missed that whole extra hour of instruction for my kids at church. And now I've got to come home and do that. I've got to, yeah. I've got to be prepped and ready for that every week. And so, so not less, but more. Are we willing, as President Nelson put it, to let God be the most important influence in your life? Yeah. So it's not, it, it becomes less again about the... The, um, the do this, don't do that, but yeah. like how, would, how does God feel about the actions I'm about to take? Yeah. And I'm thinking about this, Heavenly Father, and in my language of prayer, what do you, what, what do you think I should be doing? Or right. Help me see things the way you see them. Yeah, right. And then, and then to have the courage to, I mean, good heavens, go forth and teach, baptize all people, all go nations. Go do it, right? <laughs> go do it. I think, uh, I think about Elder Ruchdorf, that talk he gave when he was, announcing that change. He said, I long for the day when our youth are not defined or recognized by what they can and cannot do, right. but rather they're recognized because of their love of Jesus Christ. I don't drink coffee right. because I am so grateful for the body I've been given, and I don't want to put something into it that can cause me to lose my agency and become addicted to something that right. my spirit then succumbs to my body. It's backwards from the plan. I don't want that. Rather than, my church said so. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. God there, said so. Wasn't there a t-shirt at one point that says, I can't, I'm Mormon? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I wonder how that t-shirt would change after President Ugdorf's talk. I don't want to. I'm Mormon. Maybe, I love right? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want I don't to. Know. I, That's right. I love that. I, I, uh, I just think there's, there's so much here to unpack about you know, policy and those changes and how we view them, how we interact with prophets and apostles when there are changes we don't understand. Yeah. And maybe we need to be a little slower about um, kicking against the pricks, steadying the ark, so, so to speak, maybe, and recognize that uh, with the mantle they hold, with the intelligence they have, and the living that they live, right? The, the, just the righteous living that they're, that they're all in. Um, I just got to have a little more faith that I don't get revelation as quickly as clearly for the whole church <laughs> as the brethren who are assigned to receive revelation for the whole church. Right? Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not part of the makeup of the gospel. That said, yeah. it doesn't mean I have to just blindly be okay with whatever, right? That that when, um, I'm not going to get into this because I think that it, it's me talking way too long on this, but, but um, I would invite you to go back to a BYU address President Nelson gave um, in... Uh, let me see if I can find it really quick right here. In uh, uh, September of 2019, uh, after the policy changed back so that bishops could allow... Mm -hmm. uh, With the baptizing yeah, of those... Okay, yeah. Children in same-sex homes. Yeah. The policy changed in 2015, I believe, so that the first presidency needed to approve that. And in 2018, maybe it changes back. President Nelson speaks about their experience as a brethren, as a, as a quorum, in receiving the revelation that was needed in 2015 and that was then changed and, and policy re-altered re in 2018, and beautifully states how, oh, that's why they did what they did, and it was out of love and it was out of compassion and... But you and I have had four thoughts about same-sex attraction, and we've had, you know, a couple of interactions with some people we know, and we think, how unfair, why would they do that? While, while we miss that there is a quorum of 15 highly faithful brethren sitting, talking, discussing with people in their individual families, immediate families, mm -hmm. who struggle with this issue, 
And by the time they say something, it has been years of counsel before the prophet, just like maybe in Matthew, right? Counsel with his counsel, finally understands what the Lord would have him do at that time. Not that it's going to stay that way forever, yeah. but for now, that's where we're at. And I think, it's, I think that's huge. My thoughts went to 2 Nephi 28 about God's pattern. I will give unto the children of men line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Yeah. And blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts. Yeah. And, um, and it talks about you shall learn wisdom. But um, I think we need to be very careful when we look to the brethren and say, well, they're correcting something they didn't do right. Right, yeah. I would be cautious about making that assumption. Sure. And, and I don't think, we, you know, we're not making that right now, but I think if we're not careful, we may overlook the, the revelatory process yeah. that started way early on. I think Elder Bednar, he, he mentioned that when President Nelson came on and, you know, people in the church are like, oh, look at all these revelations. Right. And he's like, no, <laughs> no, this has been going on for a long Ten time. Ten years you've been counseled <laughs> yeah. about these changes and they yeah. all happened to come out at the same time. And doesn't that just reaffirm the pattern that God speaks to his prophets? And I can trust that, that when, the, when they say what is said, that it is God's will, and it has been thought over. Yeah. It has been mulled over. And over and over, my witness is that God speaks through his prophets. Yeah. He did it anciently. He's yeah. doing it today. And to the extent that I can draw close to what they're saying, and, and one of my favorite words is to use the word yet. Mm-hmm. If I say, well, I don't understand that. Yet. Yet. Uh. And I force myself to think that, okay, uh, Brother Mortensen, what are you going to, is there something, is there a doctrine that maybe you could look into and yeah. just, or is there more research here? And, and to the extent that I've done that, I've always left more edified, may not completely have all my questions answered, mm. but I can't deny the fact that I feel God's, I feel the Holy Ghost when God's prophets teach. Yeah, I love that. I, I think I've, I've never considered just adding yet to the end of those phrases, but that's so important. And maybe there's a dual use. The, the idea that you've shared is that I don't know it yet, time-wise. Like, I'll get there some way. I need to study more or whatever. Right. But, but what, is, what if I use that word to speak about what I will do or what I do know? I don't know that yet. I still do this. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a pause button as much maybe in some cases as it is, and yet I'm still faithful. Right? I think that's a, a, a powerful principle. But but again, I, I think whatever the policy change is, yeah. whatever the, the issue is, Christ, through a prophet, makes a change, big change, in the end of Matthew yeah. that I think is just so important for us to look at and, and maybe correlate with our day. I think, and to piggyback on that, I went over to John chapter 20, and um, <clears throat> I, just, I just think that you're hitting it right on the head. And, and in addition to those opportunities when we have to accept a policy change mm-hmm. or maybe in a little modification from something you hear from the brethren, we, you know, we can tend to apply it there. And then also on a personal level where the Savior takes Peter and, you know, the verses and he says, okay, and they'd, are, they'd been out fishing and, um, and they caught 153, I think it was, and, and Jesus calls them to the shore, and they come, and they said, do you love me more than these? And, 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 he, and that's in verse 15, and they say, this invitation is to feed my lambs yeah. and then feed my sheep. And so that has been echoed three times, and, 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 and it, I, I, I try to figure out, like, what was Peter thinking? Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, on a different and a more, and maybe a personal level, to, to, you may have been thinking, golly, does he not trust me? Yeah. Or am I, am I that dance? Or I have to hear it three times. Right. I, I know, <laughs> Jesus, do you not feel that I love you? But on that, on that personal note, again, the line upon line, precept yeah. upon precept, he's asked you to do this. And mm. I'm not quite confident in how I'm going to do that right now. But I'm going yeah. to give myself a yet. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to, as President Nukdorf said, share the gospel in normal and natural ways. Right. I'm not going to reformat my whole life and I mean if there's change and there's things that are not right those need to be changed yeah. but I'm going to live my life with the passions and talents and things that make me me yeah. but in normal and natural ways I'm going to feed people around me because they just need him yeah you know I love that and, and we have a great example of that in a colleague of ours Brother Diebel who we've had on before um, 
really is a master at normal and natural. Um, and, you know, he, he teaches an outdoor class down here at the Institute where Tuesday nights they, he gathers 80 people, 80 young adults, and they go climb a mountain or they go play mm. pickleball together or they, they just go have normal and natural interactions. And from that has sprung less active members coming back to activity, non-member people joining the church. Uh, because it's a normal and natural place to invite somebody to go be with good people who have faith, yep. who can be a witness, um, who can draw in uh, people that are looking for something in a normal and natural way. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think it's just more of testimony that a godly life is a productive and wonderful and blessed life. Yeah. It, you don't have to be... Uh, God, Jesus Christ didn't ask us to be weird. Yeah. He just says, just live your life. You want to be a fisherman? Be a fisherman. Sure. But feed my lambs. Yeah. You want to do whatever you want to do with your life? You know, young single adults, um, seminary-aged kiddos, or older people yeah. like us. Um, oh, sorry, that wasn't mean to be offensive. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> He's just saying, do what you do, but include me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I just think there's something also tender in this experience here where Jesus comes to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yay, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Yeah. And, uh, and he asks him three times that. And, and I love what you've touched on. That <laughs> Wait, why don't you believe me? I've said it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but thinking back to what's happened in the last week, three days ago, the last time Peter spoke to Christ or spoke of Christ in Christ's presence, it was to deny him three times. And so to be able to claim him and loving him three times uh, is just maybe a tender mercy that the Savior is allowing Peter to have here. And uh, I can't imagine that there weren't tears in Peter's eyes as he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. I, I, we, we talked about it in the podcast a couple weeks ago when we, when we talked that, that experience through. But when, when Christ is being denied by Peter, one of the Gospels says that he looks over at Peter and he sees Peter. We talked a little bit about what that look might have looked like. Mm. There wouldn't have been anger. There wouldn't have been um, disappointment, I don't think. I think Christ knew what was going to happen. He told him what was going to happen. And then, and then he lovingly looked at him and said, I know you. I know, I know what's happening here. And then to give him this opportunity three days later to, to be able to repent, so to speak, of yeah. that statement for whatever reason it was given. And what a, just a beautiful model. Yeah, I know you and I are, as parents, we may look at things and go, well, I'm kind of looking through the lens of a parent. Right. And right now, I'm looking through the lens of a grandpa right. and trying to raise adult children, sure. which has its own set of <laughs> waves to yeah. navigate, I guess right. you could say. And, and I love it, and I love everything about it because it teaches me more about who my Father in Heaven is. Um, but maybe I could be a little more gracious in the way that I perceive others. Yeah. Um, be quite... Be a little more hesitant. <laughs> you know, I may not accept everything that my, my kids do or how they're doing it or the way they're doing it, and, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, for the strength of youth, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, just, just navigate your life yeah. and let God be the most important influence in it. Yeah. And I know that, that God will, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. And, yeah, you have, to, yeah, you have to trust that God's plan to get your child back, which is also his child. Yes. Is bigger than you. That he looked down, he saw Rick, and he was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to send that kid to Rick, but i got to do some work, <laughs> yeah, right, no to get him back. And, and, and not, that, not that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't give us those assignments, because uh, he does, and he wants us to learn and grow from him to become more like him, right, and to have micro experiences on earth of what we will have when we become like him and Heavenly Mother, right? But, but, uh, but to be able to say, I trust God's plan. And it's bigger than me. Yeah. And my child's going to live in my house for 18 or 19 years. And then they're going to live somewhere else for 50, right? <laughs> 60 uh, years, somewhere else. And God's got a bigger plan than me. Well, and, and how, and I maybe, maybe the, the plan and however it's supposed to work out for each of us is one of, the, one of the talks that has come to my mind is, it's been on my heart quite a bit. It's Christ Like Poise by Elder Bragg. Mm -hmm. And he just, get, he just gave it in the 2023, I think, April. And like, how is it that, that Christ, you know, when he was coming out of Gethsemane and, and here are the people that are mm. wanting to take him away and, and he's able to keep his poise. And Peter, on the other hand, you know, he's whacking an ear off yeah, of right. Malchus, I think it is. And, and Jesus just doesn't lose it. 
So like, how do we do, how do we handle, you know, the, how, do, how, do, how does Peter take it here? He's grieved in his heart, verse 17, but he, I think he kind of keeps his poise a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, we, need to, we need to draw upon the power of Jesus Christ's atonement so that we can react in appropriate ways, even when those moments come where you want to lose your poise. Yeah. You want to check your religion at the door, as sometimes Elder Holland would put that. Um, but it's just important to say, okay, Jesus, I need your help because right now I want to strangle my kids. Yeah. Or I want to, you know, I'm not saying that I should. Right. Sorry, kids, if you're listening. <laughs> but I need him. And it, sure. and it will take him in those moments to refrain from ungodly actions. Yeah. When somebody badmouths you or your faith on social media or to your face and, or on a mission. And, yeah. Well, and, and I think Christ in his poise... I love that word, Christ in the in His poise. Just in the, even in the end of uh, of John twenty one, um, when He's speaking with Peter, um, verse eighteen, He says, "Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, Peter, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not." This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Uh, you know, it, there is something about the poise that Peter would obtain throughout his life that I'm sure that President Nelson has obtained. You see it when he speaks that the brethren and the sisters that lead the church, they just have such poise. They are not going about walking wherever thou wouldest, right? And, and it takes a while. For us to become converted, I love that you've taught, brought, taught that us, to us today, that, that we've become converted enough that where I go is not where I want to go. Where I go is where he went. And even in this case, that, that he would be uh, crucified, uh, that, that he would stretch forth his hands, right? That's what he's, he's in, inferring here and go where he would not. Um, Peter, at the end of his life, it's suggested that Peter requested to be hung upside down so he didn't have to be uh, crucified in the same manner that his Savior was, wanting that to be Christ's um, alone and out of, out of dignity and, and uh, wanting Christ to have that. So, you know, w what poise, right, that mm -hmm. Peter gained over the course of his life to follow Christ. Well, and, yeah, amen, amen. And though... I love the, the Peter example. I mean, it, we're not here to we're not here to focus on Peter. We're right, focusing sure. on Christ. Right. Um, but how how did Christ react to Peter's and everybody else's foibles? It kind of just helps yeah. us recognize and remember that this is a yeah. the covenant path, which is God's prescribed path to experience joy the way He experiences it. Right. And it's not a it's not a speed. It's just a stay on it. Follow me. I love that. I love it. It's yeah. just an invitation. Yeah. You know, he's not saying get over here or I'm going to drag you. It's just follow me yeah. and see for yourself. Come yeah. and see. Um, I love the experience that he had with Thomas. Yeah. When he says, "Come and come and touch." Yeah. The hands in my and we figuratively. I wish we. I can't pray for the day when I will come to know in that special way about the divinity and reality of his resurrected body. Sure. Um, and I am not yet to the point like uh, Elder McConkie said, or he knows <laughs> then better. You know, he yeah. Better I will than not know then better yeah. than I know now. Yeah. I don't know that I'm when quite there. And, nail prints in his hands and his feet. Yeah. But from what I've noticed about a godly life and a Christ-centered life, it sure is gratifying. It, it's it's something to watch your children and the people that believe. I had a kid approach me recently and said, I don't believe in anything I can't see. And, huh. and I asked him, I said, well, what have you noticed in the lives of the people that do? Hmm. And he had to stop and think about that. And um, he wasn't a seminary kiddo, but he's a kid that I'd met. And, um, I wasn't trying to, you know, pull the old stumperoo on him. Sure. It's just that what do you notice about godly people? that is appealing, that seems like God's in charge of this and that there's yeah. something there, and you can't deny that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I love that. I, I think that going on in this chapter, he, Christ continues uh, 
to maybe help Peter understand his role and understand how to view people, poised, right? Mm -hmm. He has this interaction. Peter turns about, seeing the disciple who Jesus loved. That would be John the Beloved, right? Yep. Um, who remember earlier, um, it may be in Luke uh, chapter 9, he had uh, requested to stay alive until Christ comes again. Mm. And... Uh, and every, all the other disciples were like, well, we want to just be with you when we die. Lord, help us come back, right, and be with you. And uh, Peter turns about and seeth his disciple, who, Je who Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Which one gave you up? Which one's not following you? Because yeah. you died and went to heaven, and we want to be with you in heaven. And he's, he's maybe calling John out a little bit here. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord... And what shall this man do? Yeah. And then Jesus' just beautiful response. Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? <laughs> Why does it hurt you that that's what he wants and I'm okay with that? Why is that? It reminds me of Elder Holland's talk where, where he talks about downing another quart of pickle juice every time anything good happens to anybody else. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. holy cow, why do we get so wrapped up <clears throat> when uh, when something good happens? I, I have a daughter who's, she's fantastic. She's my 18-year-old, just graduated, spent, I don't know, half a month in Europe just the last couple of weeks. And and uh, <laughs> she just has always had this, it's funny, she's not serious about it, but anytime anybody compliments another sibling of hers, she'll like, pouty jaw and look over at us and then we'll say something to the effect of you too, Maddie. We think the same thing about you, right? Yeah. But but really that I mean that principle and it, and I, I jest a little bit with her because she does it in, in fun, but but that principle is true. What what is it to you? Follow me. Yeah. I, if it goes so different for somebody else, don't worry about it. I'll handle it and it'll work through with them. But uh, why why does it why do we worry so much about the way other people are doing it? If it works for me and I'm okay with the Lord, yeah. that's, I think, the key. It can't just be me doing it different, right? It can't be me saying to the Lord, well, I want to do it this way. And the Lord's like, no. And me being like, I'm still going to do it that way, <laughs> right? <laughs> Christ is very clear here. Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry. If it's what I want, what is it to you, right? We look around our wards and we see people living the gospel differently. And and we we I think we I think judgment is the wrong word. I think we hold them separately. Though we say, oh, that's not quite how I, sh I think we should do it. And, and judgment's too too hard because I don't think we're condemning them, right? Right, right. But but we conf we conflate the plan with the daily life. And I think the Lord has a lot of different ways to live the daily life based on circumstances we all individually have. Yeah. You'd be more okay with that. Stop down in pickle juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it does oh. tend to make the focus become each other rather than heaven. Yeah, and we've learned through. I love that the uh, the woman that was with an issue of blood. Yeah. And she has to just navigate through the crowd, but she kept her gaze on Christ. Right. And. I mean, yeah, and you know, Peter and the waves and the winds and whatever, and yeah. when we lose our focus, but I think there's a great, I love how you said that, it's not that we judge, we just maybe, maybe we say, hmm, I probably wouldn't have done that way, but right. what is that to thee? Yeah. That's just a great savior response. My wife is such a, great, such a great teacher, she, she uh, has taught our children, I love this idea, she's taught our children that they need to change their lives to, lives to fit the gospel and not change the gospel to fit their life. And uh, an extension of that conversation is uh, the pattern that we're given through the family proclamation or through whatever mm -hmm. is, is a very clear pattern. But it's the ideal. It's exactly if you're given all the material to make a shirt and you have all the stitching and you have the machine and you have all the things, yeah. the pattern is there so that you can make the shirt that God wants you to have. But if for some reason you're short a little bit of material, <laughs> Because God didn't give you the material. Right. Why are we so bent out of shape about a guy sitting next to me on a pew who is wearing a tank top instead of my long sleeve shirt? Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And, and saying, hey, he, won't give, he wasn't given the material to make a tank top, so he's, he's doing the best he can with what he has. Or, or my shirt has a pocket, and yours is missing a pocket. So what? Right? We look at the family makeup, and I think that fits perfectly with that. That, yeah. that why do we look so harshly on the people around us who have different life experiences and different circumstances? 
and and God is the one that gave them those. Yeah, yeah. And we say, what shall this man do? What about that guy? Right? Well, wow. As you think about the context of resurrection yeah. and all of the different, what do you call it, the, the pattern of the shirt or whatever, yeah. everybody's body is a different shape, a different right. color, a different format, and there's varying capacities, yeah. mental deficiencies, physical deficiencies, sure. sickness, illness, disease, whatever, sure. and all of us are the same, yet we're in, almost inundated for that comparison to look to each other and say, yeah. well, why can't I be as blonde as her? Why right. can't I have as the hair that Brother Swan, you know, right. that Matt has? Yeah. I'm like, I don't have any, and I would love to. <laughs> and I'm, maybe that's perhaps the way it is, and, and, and do I trust the Creator? Yeah. Do yeah. I trust that He made my body the way it is to give me then provide an opportunity to experience life the way I need to? You know, it's funny, I wasn't going to share this, but maybe you've sat here looking at my eyebrow as we've sat. Has, have you even noticed? No, no, so, I so do. So notice my eyebrow. Those of you that can't see my face... <laughs> I, uh, I'm not laughing, but I'm <laughs> kind of laughing. laughing. It's okay. Sorry about that. So I, every once in a while, I groom my eyebrows a little bit, and, and uh, you, what you said just now reminded me that, and I just, I just didn't want to find a way to put this in. For those that are trying Sorry to get to know that. Brother Swenson, I, I think this fits perfectly. So over the weekend, I, um, I was grooming my eyebrows with a little, a little mechanical thing that I have, and has a little adapter on it so that it doesn't cut my whole eyebrow off. Well, the adapter fell off, and I didn't notice. And I picked it up, and just my whole right eyebrow is gone, like totally gone. And as I cut it off, it just rolled down my face as one big hunk of hair. And I remember standing, looking in the mirror, going, oh, my gosh. How do I? I can't even fix that, right? So, so like, I have, like, lip liner on there right now to make a fake eyebrow. And, and, uh, and it's been fun. I went camping with my kids this weekend, and we, we were putting... You know, charcoal from the fire on to make an eyebrow. <laughs> but but I, I remember as I was standing there in the mirror, 30 seconds after I've done this, and it was one of those moments where you just don't move. You're looking at yourself like, I just screwed my whole self up. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I thought, the thought came to me, some people look like this all the time. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have. And then it was just a fleeting thought and left. But I remember as I stood there after that fleeting thought left, I thought, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to look like everybody else looks? How, how, everybody expects me to have two eyebrows, yeah, I, no which kidding. is a normal thought for no people kidding. to have, right? No but, kidding. But, but I was so worried about it, correcting it and fixing it. And yet some people don't have that right? and, and aren't given that in this life. And, and it, it's silly, an eyebrow, right? I love you it. don't have eyebrows. But, but really, I think in the, the beauty of the, the resurrection, what we're learning here that he is risen, is we will all be risen Yep. We will all have that capacity and, and ability. And, and when it comes, we will be made like Christ was made into his perfected form. And according to the, the hymn, if you could have a collab, there is no end to race. We'll have all the races. We'll have all the, the differences. The cultural things maybe even stay the same on yeah, earth and yeah. celestial glory. Can you imagine earth without like Spanish culture? That would be horrible. You know, right? we'll, we'll fix some things problematic yeah. in each of the cultures, right? But, but I just think about how... You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in comparing ourselves to others that we even think in the resurrection we're all going to be the exact same. And we, we miss that, like, well, God created race. Man created racism. Right. If we were created right. in the same image, uh, in, in the image that we had in the preexistence spiritually, well, why would a, why would a white spirit be sent yeah. to a black body on earth? It's just... Well, I think Silly. in addition to, I don't mean to take away from the parable of the eyebrow. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I was just looking today, and I just noticed a change in Gospel Library. And there's un under topics, it used to say Gospel Topics. Now it just says Topics and Questions. Oh, cool. And um, as, you, as you went there and talked about the diversity and unity in the church, it's a great read yeah. for any of those that um, may be too worried about those with their eyebrows or those right. without or without right. this, that, and the other. And, and I just love to take it back to what the Savior said. What is it to thee? That's such a great, profound question. Not meant in a rude way, but yeah. quite frankly, why does it matter? Right. If his financial situation is the way it is, if his family situation, we may look and, and we don't see anything. We don't, we don't look through a True. lens clearly True. by any stretch. Um, but to maybe start with... Yeah, what is that to me? So yeah. rather than the comparison or the whatever, how can I help 
first ensure I'm focusing on right. heaven. Yeah. Secondly, is there any way I can help make that person's life easier? Well, and I think, yeah, I agree with that I, uh, 100%. I, I, I do think that there's times and seasons in our life where we have a stewardship over someone, like our children, right. where we see them making a, a tank top when they have all the material to make a T-shirt. Right. Right. And and it is our responsibility to help them see, hey, you're doing yeah. this a little out, out of the bounds. Maybe as a as a priesthood leader, as a Relief Society president or young women's leader, you know, you're given a stewardship to help yeah. see and see the pattern and see what materials you have. Yep. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to conflate that those two concepts, right? That mm-hmm. that there is a time and, and a season probably for uh, those that are given those assignments to help uh, to see, but generally, what's it to me? Yeah. Why, why does it matter? Yeah. Oh, just yeah. And I think that, you know, as you're finishing that up, and I'll never look at your eyebrow the same. <laughs> <clears throat> um, as John kind of kind of wraps up his, his gospel, both in chapter 20 and the last couple of verses, and even in 21, and many other signs did truly Jesus do in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. Yeah. That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. The covenant gospel godly way is a beautiful life. Yeah. Um, even with sacrifice and burn eyebrows and whatever <laughs> it is, and um, that we have the cards that have been dealt to us physically, mentally, intellectually. And I wonder if judgment may be one of those opportunities. And I mean, we do that every week. We get the opportunity to take the sacrament. It should be like a mini judgment where we just ask ourselves, what am I doing with the cards I've been dealt? Am I more worried about the hand of my neighbor? Or am I more worried about his eyebrow or whatever? I'm sorry, that'll be the last <laughs> Why is time Matt I talk about that. missing an eyebrow? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> what is it to be? So Maybe. true. Oh, so my true. goodness. Well, you know, it just reminded me as you said that I, um, I every week, um, maybe not every week, but most weeks, um, I've taken to... Um, during the sacrament to looking at Second Nephi chapter 4. I'm even memorizing parts of it. Uh, this is right after Lehi dies. And uh, that daily judgment, that, that weekly judgment that you talked about. Um, chapter 4, after Lehi dies, Nephi um, is, this is the oh wretched man that I am mm. phrase, right? phrases, right? Why should my heart weep and my soul linger in the valley of sorrow and my flesh waste away in strength? Right? Oh, all these horrible things that I am uh, because of my flesh, my soul grieveth because of my iniquities. I, I am all these things, right? Yeah. To me, Second Nephi chapter 4 is me sitting at the sacrament, looking at my life and saying, why did I do that again? Why for years has that thing stuck with me mm-hmm. and I repent of it and I sit here again on a Sabbath looking at the sacrament coming down the row? And thinking, wash me again, cleanse me again, that the Spirit might be with me. But I love that the that that invitation to look at yourself, look at yourself and judge it, that your actions ends with awake my soul, mm. no longer droop in sin. Verse twenty eight, rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. Do not anger against because again because of my enemies. Do not slacken my strength. Rejoice, O my heart, cry unto the Lord. O Lord, I will praise thee forever. You're my help. Yeah. Right? It, it isn't just a, that we sit and we partake of the sacrament and remember the issues that we've had. We, we think, well, what's it to me? And then we think, I don't need to be this way. Thank you for the atonement. I take the sacrament. I'm good. I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. I'm going to fail miserably, but I'm going to try. Right? That we could be like that, I think, is, is really, uh, I think, the objective. Well, we regularly come back to that place. And such a hope filled and inspiring message yeah. and I could see where if, if our if our focus is not fixed on him yeah. where it could be well I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm like you're right you're yeah. kind of you're kind of right yeah I mean there's a really sweet spot in Helaman where he makes it very clear that yeah you're kind of worth less than the dust of the earth right yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's important that we recognize that yeah. but he doesn't say that every page in the right. book of Mormon exactly he makes the point clear and he says even in here in chapter 4, he says, I knew in whom I've trusted. Yeah. And that trust in him, the fact that he can do something with my other eyebrow or whatever, right. yeah. that, that, that he can make of something, he can make something of me, a wretched man that I am. And I'll just keep trying. And I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I shift up into cruise control and just keep on that path. Yeah, right. 
It means when I make a mistake, I'm going to put it in four-wheel drive. Yeah, and like you said earlier, that I'm willing to take his name upon me. Yeah. I'm going to do it different, right? That's right. Than I did last week when I didn't take his name. You know, I think about maybe just in closing and then give you some final thoughts too, but Mm -hmm. I think about Peter in that last interaction. It's so interesting to me that that's uh, just the last interaction here in John chapter 21, and then it's the end of the book, right? Like, this is it. That's it. Peter asked this question. Jesus said, what's it to you, right? (laughs) But I wonder if sometimes our judgment of others comes really out of judgment of ourself. Imagine for a minute that you're sitting with all the disciples at Christ's feet, and Christ comes to you and he says, what do you want? And you're like, I just want to be with you when I die. And then he gets to John, and John says, I want to continue to do this work until you come back. I want to stay on earth. Don't, don't you think there's some part of Peter that's like, dang it, that's probably, probably wow, that's so much better. Like, oh, gosh, right? There's, there's some part of us, I think, sometimes that sees the choices of others compared to the choices we're making, and we see it better. We see that I should have done that. And rather than shifting a course and going back to Christ and saying, actually, can I go with John? That would be cool. Hmm. Let me do that. None of them did that. And I'm not saying they needed to, really, but... But none of them do. None of them go back and say, hey, you know what? I would like to do that. If, if you'll guarantee that I'll be with you, I'll, I'll stay on earth and help. And uh, rather than shifting our course, we just turn the attention on the person who's doing it different than me. And we say, well, who, who's doing it better, me or them, right? And we put it to the Lord to, hmm. to make me feel better about myself. And when the Lord says, he's doing a good thing, I doubt another quart of pickle juice because <laughs> woe is me, my life is hard, right? <laughs> I don't know. I I love this. I love. I've loved this conversation with you. I, uh, I think our our time together has been well spent, um, brother Rick. What would you say to our young people out there? You know, we we do this. I do this weekly with everybody and mm-hmm. the faculty, and I ask that question pretty regularly. And it's interesting that sometimes the block paints that conversation a little bit, paints your statement. Sometimes prophetic statements that are current in recent times paints that. Um, but always, I think it's the thing you feel, the thing you want, the the young people to just if the, if you could just force them to know something, what would it be? Wow! <clears throat> Take their agency. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they are so you know. Thank you, Brother Swenson, for this opportunity to share what little knowledge and goofiness that I have, and <laughs> I'm just I just recognize that that's who I am, and I'll just do the best with what I got and try to improve. Um, I wrote this down, and it was just before I came. I put, why does this matter? And then I put a couple of dots. And so I don't know if this is for anyone out there. I know it's for me. Because we are also called upon to share our personal witness of Him. And so as the apostles were assigned Mm -hmm. under the divine priesthood stewardship that they had to go and teach and preach and do like missionaries do... um, I just wanted to say how wonderful of an opportunity it is to stand as a witness of Him. And um, not that, like President Uchtdorf said, I don't need to shout on the corner in normal and natural ways. I'm going to do everything I can to to make it very clear that I'm trying to be a godly man. And this couple of weeks ago, I was down at an FSY, and to interact with these counselors who are all our young single adult age is inspiring Mm. to watch the capacity that they have and some of them don't quite get it yet Mm -hmm. I hope that doesn't sound mean but they need to in my invitation (laughs) my invitation seek heaven's help so that you can see yourself the way he sees them for the capacity is in them to to um, to just change lives yeah and as these YSA kiddos are out testifying and leading our high school um, participants to deepen their conversion to Jesus Christ, the, their testimonies are important. Yeah. And I hope our anyone listening to this broadcast, young single adult or not, that they would feel more empowered to open their mouth and share what they know. They don't have to know everything. You just got to know something yeah. and then share it. Yeah. And that, was what I, that would be what I would say. Thank you, Rick. This has been so good. Um, you know, we, we have a pretty great assignment <laughs> to work for the church and yeah, no study the gospel for a living and, and work with the young people. And, and I would just echo your comments there and, and maybe add, for those parents that are out there listening to this, uh, moms and dads or priesthood leaders, um, 
Elder Bednar, in a training you and I had, um, said, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with, the, I'm paraphrasing here, but mm-hmm. he used the word fed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, fed up with telling the young people how good they are. Mm-hmm. It's true. They have the capacity to become the greatest generation. But he puts his hand up to his forehead and he says, I'm fed up to hear with hearing us tell them that. Yep. Without teaching them how to become that. When we say that, we point a stick at them. And the other end of the stick's pointing right back at us, holding them accountable to that standard that they came to earth with the capacity to be. And uh, I, I just would add that to the to the listeners out there that you know, if you've got a young adult in your life, hold them to a standard. Uh, ask them to, to step up, to live to the, what God's given them capacity to be, but, uh, but to love them wherever they are, however they are. Amen. Brother Mortensen, thank you. Thank you. We'll have you back on. Love it.